Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I'm your host. I am Shemaine Linney. I'm a nutritional therapist, integrative health practitioner, and certified iridologist. I'm very happy to have you back with me for another piece of your day. I hope everyone is keeping really well. In this episode, we're looking at metabolic health, but before I go on, I must remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So metabolic health is a term that gets thrown around a lot, along with metabolic flexibility And I feel most people don't have a clear understanding of what it means, of what metabolic health means. So I did do a post on this on my Facebook and Instagram pages maybe two weeks ago, just listing the five markers of metabolic health. But we're going to go into more detail on it here. And I think this is not only super important for you to understand but your family members as well, even children and teenagers. This is important because this uh, indicates not just current health, but long-term future health. So um, metabolic health is not just about your weight, as many people have equated it with health. If you constantly think that your weight reflects your health, you're almost kidding yourself. And if you think that if you keep your weight in a healthy range and eat well most of the time, that you're doing all right. Uh, And this is both true and false. For many people, this can be a good indicator because this is one of the markers we're going to discuss But the number on the scale is just one measurement of metabolic health. If you really want to understand your overall health or the complete picture, you need to take a more comprehensive look at your body. And to do that, most doctors and practitioners have five key markers that they will track that are considered metabolic health markers. So metabolic health goes beyond the number on the scale and being at the ideal weight. Metabolic health also includes glucose and insulin and cholesterol and fatty acids and inflammation. And there's lots of other factors and biomarkers that can contribute to your metabolic health. And we look at those signs because they really do help to shed some light on your current and future state of health. So a basic metabolic assessment will take into account a series of measurable factors that show how healthy you are now, but as well how likely you are to develop serious or chronic conditions later in life. So it can be kinds of a prediction of future health. Um, 
And while many of us are going around feeling just fine, many of us are also not as healthy as we think. In fact, according to a 2019 study in the Journal of Metabolic Health and Related Disorders, and this was 2019, this was before the pandemic, so this was like almost five years ago, only 12% of American adults are considered metabolically healthy. Now, there was a more recent study that came out. Um, I must find it, but it, if I'm remembering correctly, it showed that only 5% of people now, of American adults, are considered metabolically healthy. And that's a number that not only should we all strive to change, that we should also be scared of because the changes are happening fast and we can see it in society. And when I say American adults, I'm in Canada now, but I do think this is relevant to not just Canada, Canada and America, very close in the way we live, the way we eat, like it's really only up the road. So I believe Canadians can be considered um, part of the American adults consideration. But also when I went back to Ireland, this year I was shocked at what I saw and um, the weight changes and appearance of people. Um, a lot of people looking really sick. I know from my family and friends back in Ireland, a lot of them dealing with a lot of metabolic issues. Um, I went to Amsterdam and Paris, not so much there. It could be lifestyle um, factors there for sure. But anyway, so the five factors of metabolic health are blood sugars, your waist circumference, blood pressure, cholesterol and triglycerides. And almost cholesterol and triglycerides could almost be packed together. And then I would consider inflammation, your inflammatory markers to be number five. I would pair cholesterol and triglycerides together and then number five for me would be inflammation but in general those five are um, the five and for each factor of metabolic health doctors and practitioners and scientists have been able to over time with lots of research and studies consider a healthy range which can be used as a benchmark to track how you're doing and when we say healthy range that's healthy. That doesn't mean optimal range. That doesn't mean ideal range. It's just healthy range based on general population. And um, there isn't one simple number per se, but there are guidelines. Um, and there's no one test for metabolic health. We generally will use these five tests and the International Diagnostic Center states that if you are dealing with three or more, or you meet three or more of these criteria, you have metabolic syndrome, or you're not metabolically healthy. So blood sugar, most people know about blood sugars, but basically when you have some sort of sugar, you consume some sort of sugar, insulin is released, by the pancreas. Insulin is one of our growth hormones. Um, and when insulin gets released, 
we get these signals to unlock the doors of our cells and allow the sugar that's in our bloodstream or glucose to be pulled into the cells and used as energy. So if the sugar is constantly getting dumped into the bloodstream and the pancreas is constantly producing insulin to try to keep up, your cells eventually start to ignore the insulin at the door. They become resistant. So now you've got insulin resistance and you're left with this glucose in the bloodstream, which is a problem because we can't have glucose floating around our bloodstream. It is going to kill us, um, puts us at risk for lots of different diseases, um, increases your risk of heart disease, of course, diabetes. There's lots of issues. So then the body has to start working overtime to put this glucose somewhere else. Um, and that also means that the pancreas has to start pumping out more insulin as well. So you've got that problem too. So when we look at blood sugars, we're generally looking at 100 milligrams per deciliter, so below 100 milligrams per deciliter, and above 70 milligrams per deciliter following an overnight fast. So after food, in around food, 100 milligrams. Some people will get up higher, but it should drop significant. well, should drop fast enough, depending on your level of health. But those are the numbers. Waist circumference. This one is exactly what it sounds like, and I always get new clients to take their measurements. The size of your waist all the way around um, can be a determinant of your health because where you store fat is more important than the percentage of body fat you carry. And belly fat in particular is known to be a red flag because it does increase the risk of insulin resistance and diabetes and potentially fatty liver and cardiovascular issues if you've got a lot of visceral fat as well. So the recommended waist circumference for women is 34, 34.6 inches. I like 34 uh, and men should be 40 inches or less. Next up is blood pressure. A lot more people have blood pressure issues than you would think. Uh, believe it or not, I see it all the time. High blood pressure occurs when plaque builds up in the arteries or you have inflamed blood, which means your heart has to pump harder to circulate the blood throughout your body. Over time, the extra strain can cause the heart muscle to thicken and stiffen, which we would consider like arterial plaque, uh, cardiovascular disease. So that impairs the heart's normal function. High blood pressure is linked to many things, including increased risk of heart disease, heart attack and stroke. Did you know that over 50% of women living in first world countries die of preventable cardiovascular issues. Preventable, so meaning lifestyle and diet could have prevented the outcome. Anyway, recommended blood pressure at or below a level of 120 over 80. Um, that's the ideal range. Once you start going over that, 
we start uh, looking at other areas to see what's happening there. Cholesterol is the next one. I did a whole series on cholesterol on my Facebook and Instagram pages over the summer. If you haven't seen them, Shemaine's Model Health um, on both sites. Cholesterol is needed for all aspects of the body. It is needed to build and maintain healthy cells. It's needed to produce hormones. It's needed for hair, skin, nails. It's needed for so much. But too much cholesterol can put you at risk for heart disease. There is some debate over the correct levels of cholesterol. Um, if you heard my recent interview with Dr. Michael Platt on progesterone, he gave his opinion on cholesterol and the numbers therein. This, the recommendations in this episode are purely based on what is given out to medical practitioners and what you would be recommended if you went to see your practitioner soon, today, next week, whatever. Um, so many people know there's two types of cholesterol. There's actually a few more, um, but the ones we kind of focus on are the LDLs, the low-density lipoproteins, lipo meaning fat, protein meaning protein, so fat proteins, um, which is what people would be told is the harmful kind that increases your risk for heart disease. And then we have high-density lipoproteins, um, which are considered the big, fluffy, good kind that helps to stave off heart disease. So the recommended cholesterol levels would be LDL as low as possible and, and HDL cholesterol greater than or equal to 40 milligrams per deciliter for men and 50 milligrams per deciliter for women. Can anyone guess why women get a bit more of grace there? Well, it's because women need more fat for the hormones. And then number five, triglycerides. Triglycerides are a type of fat that circulates throughout the body, through the bloodstream. Um, and they work in tandem with cholesterol, like they go hand in hand. Because they're both lipids that serve different functions. So cholesterol helps to build all these different aspects in the body. Triglycerides work to store unused calories. So remember when I said, like, if you have excessive sugar in your blood or glucose in your bloodstream, the insulin then has to help put that somewhere. And part of that conversion is to convert the glucose into triglycerides. And then the triglycerides get moved to body fat. A high triglyceride level combined with low HDL or high LDL can lead to arteriosclerosis, which is the buildup of fatty deposits inside the arteries. And not only can this restrict blood flow, causing the heart to have to work harder and all these potential heart issues, um, these fatty deposits can eventually burst as well and cause blood clots because then you get a big burst of fat into the bloodstream. So now you get sticky, gluggy fat, which is a blood clot. Um, so recommended triglyceride levels are below 150 milligrams per deciliter. Body mass index used to be used as one of the key factors in determining metabolic health. When I did my um, original fitness certificate and then my personal training degree, 
uh, we used body mass index, but it was fast becoming recognized that it was almost irrelevant for not all people, but some people, those of us that have more muscle or um, are maybe big, big, bigger boned or taller, there, there's different factors that just didn't fit with body mass index. So it doesn't get used anymore um, because it doesn't factor in body composition per se. So it didn't include muscle and bone mass and other tissue mass as well. Like some people have a bigger liver than others. Um, some people obviously have bigger muscles than others. Some people have bigger bones. So it's not really used as much anymore. But so um, it, I'm just telling you that so you have your information because I think most people know body mass index is almost irrelevant nowadays. Uh, I say almost irrelevant because I do believe there is a category of people that it can be used on. Um, also, when it can't, comes to body mass index, there are studies that show us that about 20% of people considered to be, quote, skinny or lean are still metabolically unhealthy. So it's not a, just because someone, and I've said this before, just because someone is what we would consider slim or lean doesn't mean they're healthy. I mean, we have tofu, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Um, I also deal with a lot of very slim clients that even though they look healthy, inside they have a lot of issues going on. It may not be metabolic, but they have good issues, sleep issues, a lot of other stuff. So it's not that it's a bad idea to um, try keep your body in a reasonable weight, healthy weight range. Um, it's just that body mass index may not be 100% accurate for everyone. So, and if you wanted to find out more about like your ranges and that's that and the other, you would speak to some health practitioner, even personal trainers can help with stuff like that. So when you have good metabolic health, you should feel great. You should have more energy throughout the day. Your hormones should be somewhat stable and consistent. Your mood, um, anxiety, depression, they should be somewhat stable. In fact, there was a study in the Journal of Diabetes Care by researchers at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. 25%, it showed 25% of people with diabetes also report suffering from depression. Now, we could debate on why that is. They hate how they look. It is blood sugar. It is the microbiome. Blah, blah, blah. Which came first, the depression or the diabetes. Blah, blah, blah. But still... It doesn't negate the fact that steady blood sugars can help with mental health and mood swings. Um, a lot of my clients would agree that a post-treats or refeed day or Christmas, they feel more rubbish in their mind than when they're eating, I'll just say, quote, clean. Um, when your metabolic marker is good, you will have better, more restful, restorative sleep. One, one 2015 study in the journal PLOS, um, PLOS 1 by a group of Japanese researchers found that people with type 2 diabetes report poor quality of sleep 
Now, this could be increased inflammation, it could be sleep apnea, it could be the blood sugars, crashes and spikes throughout the night. I've always spoke about eating late at night is a big problem for sleep. Um, but also, when you have good metabolic health, you can experience improved, better cognitive performance, less brain fog, um, you're sharper thinking, you'll just feel like your brain is working at a more optimal level and is able to use its fuel sources better. You'll also experience fewer hunger pangs, lesser cravings, obviously healthier weight. You can even then experience improved strength, uh, libido. So this is all, like overall good metabolic health should be top priority for most people. You're just going to be able to be more alive. Your life is going to be more full of vitality. You're going to feel like you're living. A lot of people tell me they don't feel like they're living. They don't have the energy. They're just dragging themselves from day to day. They're not actually enjoying their life. With good metabolic health, you really do feel alive. You're like, oh my God, I didn't believe I could feel this good and I'm going to do this and this and this and like my sex life is better. I'm wearing clothes that I thought I never could. My skin looks great. I have so much energy. I'm back in the gym. My motivation is high. My business is rocking it. Like it has such a huge ripple effect. It's not just, again, the number on the scales or how you look in the mirror. Metabolic health is... Number one, if you want to live and have your best life. So um, I don't feel I really need to discuss what causes bad metabolic health, but I am going to go through it. If you're outside the, the healthy limits of the five markers I've just mentioned, you are at higher risk for metabolic syndrome, which basically puts you in a category then that puts you at high risk for type 2 diabetes and heart disease and stroke. And um, if you're really outside those numbers, I do believe you um, are at such high risk, you should go speak to your family doctor. Um, but beyond just the blood test, there's obviously more subtle symptoms that can show if your metabolic health is doing good or bad, like these would be your biomarkers, like poor sleep, inability to lose weight, thyroid issues, hair loss, infertility, chronic pain, um, weakened immune system. Uh, there's, there's lots of biomarkers that I teach my clients to look at. So generally, the causes of poor metabolic health it's poor diet and lifestyle habits. Yeah, there is a genetic component, but genetics, as many people refer to them, are just the bullet in the gun. It's your lifestyle habits that pull the trigger on that gun. Just because you have a genetic predisposition or a specific genetic trait doesn't mean it's ever going to come to fruition. If you live a good lifestyle and you're active and you sleep well and your hormones are good and you eat very well and you just like take care of yourself. Um, so it is 
poor diet and lifestyle habits. And the odds are stacked against us. I did a recent interview with Dr. Glenn Livingston again, and that will be released soon. But it came back to like the, the odds are stacked against us. So part of my job, and my friend Catherine laughs because she says in one video she counted how many times I said stack conditions in your favor, and it was like 15 times or something. But that's part of my job is teaching you how to stack conditions in your favor because the odds are stacked against us. Like even for simple, we have everything at our fingertips now, everything. So apart from video games and most, not most, but a lot of people working at home, a lot of people running businesses from online, Netflix alone. Netflix can be great in context, but the temptation there to sit and binge watch and just watch TV all evening, that's a problem. That is a problem. Amazon Prime Video, that's a problem. YouTube is a problem. And I have a lot of YouTube videos, but I use it solely for work. Uh, not to make any justification in there, but I don't watch TV. Uh, I'm always studying something for work. Um, so we also then can have food delivered right to our doorstep. We've got Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, whatnot. Everything is right there at our fingertips. We don't need to move. We don't need to make any effort. I even see people who just constantly work out at home. And yeah, that's better than nothing. But people are not getting outdoors like they used to. Getting fresh air, getting in the sunlight. And then we have these foods that are manufactured specifically to cause us to crave them more. And alter our microbiome. Potentially alter our genetics. That's another discussion. But these foods are created to be more hedonistic. We crave them. We eat more of them. We can't control ourselves. And they just keep coming. And there's a lot of so-called, quote fingers, healthy foods that I tell my clients, hell no, you're not to eat that. Like I can see the problem that's going to occur if you eat something like that. There's a lot of misdirection out there. There's a lot of stuff that's designed to lead us astray. So the odds are stacked against us. Um, and this is partially the cause for poor metabolic health in the majority of the population. And I will say some of it is choice as well. I mean, at the end of the day, most of us, depending on your age of listening to this, most of us are adults. I know there's some exceptions, but um, you do have choice at the end of the day. You, do, you can choose to go for a walk after dinner. You could choose to exercise regularly. You could choose to watch your fat and sugar consumption. You can choose to eat better and prioritize your sleep. And instead of staying up that extra hour to watch Netflix, you go to bed an hour earlier. Like you can choose the, the better path. Uh, one of my favorite poems Robert Frost, two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and I chose the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And I really did choose the one less traveled by, especially if we look at the statistics. Um, but I really hope this helps you understand what metabolic health is and why it's so important and, and what numbers you should be looking at. But if I was to leave it at one last kind of line of wisdom or words of wisdom, it would be 
if you want to live your best life, feeling great, full of vitality, with the energy to go travel and explore with your husband or your partner and have great libido and spend time with your grandkids and not have aches and pains and not be on medication and not need a walker and not need liver transplants and not fight cancer and all this stuff and you want to sleep better and you want to have good mental health and you want to be able to wear your sexy clothes or the dresses you want with confidence, all of that. I really do think you need to be prioritizing your metabolic health. So um, I hope you found this super helpful. Please reach out to me if you have any questions at all. ShemainesModelHealth.com. You can reach me there. You can reach me Facebook and Instagram. I'll also pop my email address in the description. Please share with anyone you think would benefit from this information. Sharing is caring. And please like, share and subscribe if you haven't already you can tell i say this a lot okay bye bye everyone take care